Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Stan Squirewell. He is a painter, photographer, installation, and performance artist. His work is multi-layered, and his subject matter tackles themes such as race and memory through mythology, sacred geometry, and science. Stan draws his inspiration from theory books, science fiction movies and novels, avant-garde jazz, and indigenous storytelling. His artistic training began at the Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and since graduating has continued his tutelage under many of DC's legends, including artists Michael Platt and Lou Stovall. Stan is a MFA graduate of the Hofberger School of Painting, where he studied with the late Grace Hardigan. He has participated in many solo and group exhibitions that include Kaveh Gupta and the Studio Museum of Harlem. He is the first winner of the Rush Philanthropic and Bombay Sapphire Artisan Series, and he has performed with Nick Cave at the National Portrait Gallery and Jefferson Pender with G Fine Arts. He has privately and publicly collected. His works are in the Reginald Lewis Museum, the Robert Steele Collection, and the Smithsonian African American Museum, among others. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, and enjoy this episode featuring Stan Squirewell. Stan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining me today. I have been following you for a while on Instagram because mm. I like your work very much, and uh, I connect with it because I, I collect um, small pieces of vintage art. So, uh, so with that, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So let's start off with you sharing with my listeners when and how did you recognize your artistic passion? It was a few stories, but I'm, I'm going to try to sum them up really quickly together. When I was six years old for Christmas, my grandmother bought my cousin and I these how to draw books. You know, it was like boxcars and so forth and so on. I didn't like what I drew and my cousin's car looked way better than mine. So I bought mine up and I 86 it like immediately, just 86 it. And he went to the trash can, got it out. I got with his hand and he looked at it and he said, man, all you had to do is change this one little line and it would look just like the car in the book. So he erased it and he fixed the line and it looked like it. And I was like, oh my God, it does. I did it. <laughs> well, with your help, I did it, you know. And uh, that taught me to never never give up on myself, to keep trying. You know, that, that was one. Um, secondly, there was a, a moment in my youth where I had gone mute, you know, and, um, and things were just not copacetic in my life at the time between my mom and I. And so I, I needed, I needed therapy, 
you know, I mean, I literally could not say anything. Wow. So we went to the therapist and I couldn't, wouldn't say anything to him. And so he just gave me some paper and some pencils and he said, man, draw how you feel. Hmm. And when I drew it, my mom just bust out crying. Wow. And he even looked and he was like, oh my God. He said, anytime you have an issue, you need to draw. Hmm. Just, just draw how you feel because what you drew said more than what you could say. Hmm. <laughs> and then finally, uh, I used to watch Bob Ross right after his cartoons would go off on Saturdays, you know, PBS time and so forth and so on. And uh, my great uncle was a Bob Ross painter, you know, but he would add little things into it here and there, like some collage work and so forth and so on. But I didn't know that until like I turned around about eight or nine. And I went over to his house and I was like, oh my God, who, who made all of these paintings? It's like, I did it. Hmm. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, you got to show me how you do this. Like, this is incredible. This is incredible. So every weekend after that, I would just bring my drawings over to him, you know, just for his approval or, or um, you know, pointers on what I could do to make things better. And so um, being as though I was dyslexic as a child, you know, I, I would kind of, like, and I still too, still can do it to this day. I, I turn, in order for me to read a book, if I turn it upside down, I could read it better than I can right side up. Amazing. <laughs> like, wow. Like, you know, and I used to write that way. I used to write my name upside down and backwards. Oh, wow. But I, I thought that, you know, that, that stigma of that name, dyslexia, put some holes on me, though. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it didn't feel good to have that. That's almost, it almost felt like I was being called stupid, you know. But I didn't realize later on in my life that, oh, my God, my ancient ancestors wrote from <laughs> right to left and from bottom up. Oh my God, I was like, so I was doing what naturally was in my blood, you know? Um, so, so those were things, you know, so when I recognized that, oh man, I wasn't doing it wrong. I just wasn't doing it according to the program. And uh, those were the moments where I, I began to understand that you learn the rules to break the rules. Do you remember and how old you were? That was between the ages of six and 12. Okay. When those situations happened, there was yeah. So that was about a six-year time period. And and those memories are they reflected in your work? All the time. <laughs> oh, believe me. Sometimes you know, folks see they only see like the pieces that I curate for them to see. But there are a lot of pieces in my studio that I'm like, oh my god, I don't know how I get through this. This is insane. <laughs> um, but then once I find my way through it. You know, I can share it at that point. So I, I still I still do not give up on myself, on my work. Um, I still kind of do things backwards, too. Hmm. Uh, my, my process, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you to give us an yeah. example. <laughs> my, my process is like, uh, I won't draw nothing out. I'll draw at the end. I'll paint first. I just go. I almost look at it like how Jay-Z rap. I don't take pen to paper first for preliminaries. I just do it. Uh-huh. I do it. I, I do. I, I I do all my finished work first, and then I come back and sort of figure out what it all means, you know. So I still I still work in that same manner, you know. Is there a theme that connects everything? Me, <laughs> or we, we, you know, our stories. I'm I'm fascinated with 
histories of people of color, black folks. I'm fascinated with us. I'm so in love with us that it almost, I'm almost in disbelief that at this point in time in my life, I wasn't. You know, I look at what we have done before colonial, colonial times, before colonization. And I look what we did through it. And I look at what we're doing now. Man, come on now. Hey, you talk about the majesty of, of oneself and the collective power of the group. Man, we, we, we rock. We're, we're, we're beautiful, you know. And we, we make everything better. You know, we make we, we we put we put that that soul into it. You know, from you know food to music to dance. You know, it's not good until a black person do it for you know put a little something on it. You know, it's it's just that way. I really appreciate the work uh, that you have with the the black faces. I don't I, I, I don't know if I should call it in, indigenous if Blackamore. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let you elaborate on that on that series. The categorization of it, I, I, I tend to 86 that. We are, we are children of the earth, 100%. There is no landmass where you're not going to find melanated people. Nowhere. You know, you can call us whatever you want to call us. Black, Indian, uh, Moor, Negro, nigger. I don't care what you want to call us. We are all over this planet, and we have always been all over this planet. This is our planet, and I'll never let someone ever tell me that it wasn't again in my life, and no way I'll let anyone tell my children that. You know, we have been everywhere. We have touched all civilizations. We have touched all people. All people are us, regardless to whether we want to acknowledge that or not, but it's true. We're not here, ain't nobody gonna be here. That's, those are facts, those are facts right there. If we're not here, nobody's gonna be here. We are the beginning and the end of this mankind that we know it today, you know? And, and you can see that in how we touched the, the globe with how we left pyramids all over it. The pyramids of Giza is the same pyramids that you're gonna find in, in, in Peru. The same, you see, you're gonna see the same style the same same building structure, different style, but that's all by way of, you know, hey, the hand of the artist, you know? My handwriting is gonna be different than yours, but nonetheless, my S and your S is still gonna be an S. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that alone, you know, we can call ourselves whatever we want because we claim those titles. We are those titles if we say we are those titles. So, you know, the power is within us to, to make that you know, that assertion or not. And um, I'm thankful to be on, on, on this team. I'm thankful to be on this, this this human team, you know? And when I say human, I'm talking about, you know, the hue, the hue as far as melanin, the color of, of who we are. It, you know, it's... <laughs> melanin is worth more than gold. <laughs> so, so... You know what I mean? When you're creating work, mm-hmm. do you take your audience into consideration? I mean, do you create work to teach and to educate um, I, I, t- I, I make work primarily for myself. I, I, I'm the vehicle, but after I'm done with it, it's for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to teach anybody anything. I'm not trying to sway anybody no particular way. Um, sorry, train's going by. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, I do what's on my heart. I do what, what was given to me, and the rest is <laughs> the rest is up to y'all, the viewer, to to glean from or extract or find your own way into to my work. You know, I, I'm not I'm not I don't believe in. Oh, it's not really a belief, but I don't think about everybody when I'm making my work. I'm making what feels good to me, what comes natural, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and from that, I feel like that's the connector right there. That's the grand connector. That's the thing that means the most is that when I'm in my genuine space of creativity, that's when that conversation between my work and the audience is, just, is at its best. And how would you define your practice? I, I would define it. I would, I would define myself as a, as an image maker, and I and I'm gonna. I didn't coin that term. It was my mentor, by the name of Michael Platt, bless his soul, who was able to allow me to see that I was an image maker. Because see, I can paint, I can draw, I can sculpt, I can do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, is the image. Whatever way that image says it needs to be done. Those are the tools and the mediums that I'm gonna choose to to make it, you know. So if it, I mean, and that and that even means if that if I have to find a new skill set, you know. I remember my first steel project, you know. I made this steel this steel pyramid, this eight foot tall steel pyramid. I had no idea how to weld, but I knew what I had to do. So I went on YouTube University, <laughs> watched <laughs> I know, ten hours <laughs> of welding. <laughs> And, and tutorials, I got my my uh, my welding set, you know, and I got my, my my gas and all of that. And I was so nervous. I, I didn't want to blow my finger off. I didn't want to burn nothing up. But uh, that creative spirit within me reassured me that it was going to be all right. And all I had to do was just push the button. Yeah, your you sculptors. Know? Yeah, those those are those those are amazing works. I um I, I enjoyed the time I spent on. Uh, on the website, yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, fascinating. Let's talk about the world today and how mm-hmm. COVID is impacting your practice. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm not lie. Like I'm, I am loving this time period right now. You know, um, I'm loving it because I get to spend more time with my family. I um, I'm I'm not in a rush. I, some, something came over me, it was like, hey, man, slow down. This isn't a marathon right here. Slow down, walk your way through this. So the ability to, you know, and, and that's something that I was, man, I, I was groomed to, to look at the brighter side of dark situ- of not so great situations. You know, I, I feel for all of the people who are sick and, you know, and, and, and have succumbed to this and, oh my God, what a horrible time this is. But for the vast majority of us, and you know, and I'm thankful that 90 something percent of the people who catch this disease live through it. But I'm even more thankful for the fact that this has given us a moment to sit and reevaluate whether or not we like the way life was before. Mm-hmm. Does it really behooves us to spend the youth, the best years of our lives eight hours a day, five days a week, month after month, year after year, doing things for people that don't mean too much to us. Or we don't mean much to them, actually, put it that way. 
So this time period has given me the ability to actually sit, slow down, reevaluate, recontextualize, and move in a manner that is much more heartfelt and genuine to the person that I know I am. And it has also allowed me to be in contact with my loved ones and, and those include family, friends, and, you know, everybody beyond those circles, you know, associates or whatever. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person who loves people. I love people. And at the end of the day, we is what matters. It's not what I've done with my art or anything like that. It is about the fellowship and the, the good times and the laughs and the, those good times that we share with each other, you know, breaking bread with each other and so forth and so on. And I find that now folks are yearning for that because we took it for, for granted. We took it for granted, you know, and there's been many times in my life where I, I remember seeing my great uncle and I drove and I stopped at the stop sign, at the stoplight. I saw him and I was like, oh man, you know, I, I wanted to just pick him up and take him wherever he was going, but I was like, I'll right, see him later. I didn't get a chance to see him later. Sorry, yeah. You know, but no, no, no. That was for me. That was a lesson for me. Mm-hmm. That was a lesson for me to not take it for, not take time for granted. Right. That's what that was. And, you know, now I'm much more thankful for these, these moments right here, these slow moments. You know, everything doesn't have to be exciting all the time, you know? You know, there, there's something magical about still and silence. Has, has your process changed due to this change in circumstance? Oh, yes. Yes, in so many ways. I mean, materials that I would normally just go to the store, you know, go to the store and get some of those materials out there. So it has forced me to uh, try something new, try some new things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the imagery that I would love to use isn't necessarily available to me right now. You know, I can't go into the museums and do and photograph everything. I can't travel as the way that I was prior to, uh, you know, because I, my, my, I was supposed to have gone to Peru this summer. This was, this was my summer to go to Peru and, and go to Mexico City and, 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 and see some things. You know, this was that summer, but that didn't happen. You know, also what didn't happen was this was also my summer that I was supposed to have spent some time with, with Dr. Driscoll, you know. Mm. Bless him too, you know. Uh, but there goes planning, yes. you know. You know, and so um, I've learned to live in a moment right now again, you know. This is this is this is that time again. This this all re- almost reminds me of the eighties and nineties when I was when I was you know twenty years twenty years ago. This this is what this reminds me of when everything wasn't exciting. You know, <laughs> you know you could you didn't have we didn't have cell phones and internet and so forth and so on that you could just log on and you know go to other worlds. You know, digitally. You know, we we had that. It was a lot of still quiet moments. You know. And, and, and I, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel uh, social media and the internet, how has it helped or, or supported artist practices? In so many ways, it has helped 
<laughs> Most recently, I found somebody using my work to sell their DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> That's you flattering, know, huh? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, it, it has um, opened me up, whereas, you know, local artists that I didn't even know were in my, in my midst were, you know, they're here. Yeah. You know, um, the, the network, you know, it, it has, it, it is the grand equalizer when it comes to networking. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it has opened up so many doors and so many, you know, I remember when I first wanted my first, you know, when I was thinking about, Oh, I need Valerie representation before that, before this, these cell phones and so forth and so on, you had to go to the gallery and actually like see these people, <laughs> you know, and they weren't really nice at all. You know, um, you know, I remember showing up to some of these places with my portfolio, like I was doing something like, you know, like, oh, no, we don't we don't want to see your portfolio. You know, um, now I don't have to do that. They come into my website or my mm -hmm. IG and inbox me like, hey, we got some opportunities um, to work with Fitbits. Mm -hmm. And that's only by way of social, you know, through the Internet. Yeah. You know, that's only by way of that. Like, you know, so I never thought, you know, I don't have a whole bunch of followers. I got four over four thousand. It's not a grand number or anything like that. Nobody's paying me for 4,000 people. <laughs> but nonetheless. They see your art, right? Yeah. 4,000 people, yeah. that, most of which I've never met in my life. Right. And there are people viewing your art that don't necessarily like your page, but they're seeing exactly. your art. But they're saying it. It's a lot you more know, I, mean, I mean, to date, you know, it blows my mind that I have so many, like, collectors that folks know, you know. Spike Lee is my as a collector. Uh, man, uh, Carmelo Anthony, you know, one of the, the biggest, most flattering was Lauren Hill reached mm -hmm. out was like, "Hey, we want I want you working on my tour." Yeah. Oh my God, Lauren Hill, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a Fuji fan for life. Like, you know, hey man, um, Tamron Hall, and you know, a lot. You know, I got. It, 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 it feels great to be acknowledged, especially by people that we acknowledge, you know what I mean? Right. You know, but none more importantly than my peers, my artists, you know? Mm -hmm. when I, that's when I know I'm on the right track with my artists. And like, yo, son, that piece you just made, whoo, mm -hmm. you know? And they, only, they didn't have to come to my studio to see it. Right. Right. So I'm thankful for social media. You know, I wish my, 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 my teachers and all, I had it because their work was great, but nobody would, you know, some, so many of them gone, have gone on that uh, their works are almost, if you don't know, you, you won't know in a way, you know? Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So, yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Your, um, your energy, your attitude, your outlook is uplifting and, and positive. And um, I'm sure your family appreciates it especially that little jewel of yours. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so mm -hmm. this is our last question. And I've given us enough time for you to open up. And that is, um, what do you feel is your role as an artist? My role as an artist is to be genuine to myself, first and foremost. Um, it's just a role. It's an act. And... I don't know the gravity or the weight that this role and I'm playing at this point in my life. I don't know the effects it's going to have on every, anyone or 
anybody unless they share it with me. So I'm always appreciative of the fact that people reach out to me and like, hey, man, I love what your work, how your work make me feel. And so the only way I know that I'm doing anything is when I get there. So my role actually is predicated by others, uh, how they feel, you know? Um, and again, I only, only way I know it is when they tell me. I, I'm, I'm not one to be disingenuous with myself, you know, because I could easily say, oh, my, the role as an artist is to teach and, you know, and to blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Mm, not for me. Not for me. My role is to exist and to do what the grand creator or, or God or whatever blessed me to do and to share that with everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm just a vehicle <laughs> to get from one place to the next. And as I go, I drop these little seeds that were given to me and watch the, the flowers bloom from them. And what about your experiences? Um, my experiences? Sharing? My work, my, 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 yes. All of my work are examples of my experiences. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I find that that's the comp, that's the bridge that connects my work to the audience because I find that a lot of us have some of the same stories mm -hmm. and we love to see ourselves and others, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I think that that's one of the key rule roles in my life as an artist is to be able to be a mirror for others, you know, cause we all, we all, we, you know, we all have, <laughs> This is, a, this is a shared experience. This thing we call life is a shared experience. You know, what makes me happy is when I, when I make something and I share it with someone else. Man, that's almost like, you know, that's the greatest. That's, that's the high that I'm looking for. I'm looking for, for, for that, shared, that, shared, that shared joy. You know, those shared victories. I think that's the reason why sports is so big is because it's a shared victory. When people can celebrate the, the, <laughs> the moment together. <laughs> or the sorrow together. And sorrow is still a shared victory. You know, it's still, in so many ways, it's still a shared experience, you know? So uh, that's, that's, that's about it. That's, that's, that's what it is. It's, and, and, I, and I love the fact that other artists do that for me. You know, I look at the work with Leonardo Drew and I just, oof, oof. <laughs> There's something about it just, I know, I know. I, when I hear him speak about living you know, when he was growing up, the dump right out back in his backyard. Ooh, man, I know what that feel like. I remember picking up trash and, and, and debris or detritus and wondering, like, how was this made? Uh, what can I do with this? And, you know, man, it, 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 there, there's something about his story that connects all of us, especially those of us who grew up in situations that were tough. You know, but yeah, we still found our way, you know, we, we still found our way and success is relative, you know, my success, what I consider success is right where I'm at right now to be able to share and be acknowledged by folks for the good that I share. That's, that makes me, I'm, I feel a tremendous amount of joy. And uh, to me, you know, it's not always about money or, or, or the accolades, but those inner you know, the interpersonal thing that's happening between us. And important. I know you're sincere. I 
just our interaction during this interview and when we spoke earlier. Um, I know you're very sincere in what you say, and I appreciate you very much. And I say it all the time that art will save us because it's people like you that uh, help us enjoy life and the, the simple things in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, mm -hmm. I want to thank you very much for letting me feature you on my podcast. And uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.